Our gospel lesson for today, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triumph God be yours today and forever. Amen. Earlier this week, I was on one of my walks over to the post office, as I often do, to grab the mail. And some of you have heard me talk about these walks. I never really know what's going to happen. I never know who I'm going to see or if I'm going to encounter something strange or if it's just going to be kind of a normal walk over and back. But I always like paying attention to the various cars that are going by on the highway just to see if I recognize any cars, see who I might see. And as I was walking over there this day, I think it was Wednesday if I remember correctly, I saw coming towards me down the highway a a van that was very familiar to me. It was a white and green van, and it said RDC on the side, Remodeling Dreams. And if that sounds at all familiar to you, it's because this is the work van of the contractors that did the work over in the house last spring. Now, as I was walking, I looked and I saw it, and they saw me. It was two of the guys who worked there. And I saw the look of, of... of recognition, and their hands went up and they waved at me, and I was really happy because they had remembered me, (laughs) which, granted, they should. They spend basically every day over in the house long enough even that my cat that's really old and cranky accepted them as one of the tribe. That's a side note. But it was just this idea of, oh, they remember me. Cool, and I, I felt really nice about that. Well, interestingly enough, when I got the mail, one of the things that was in the mail that day was a copy of a magazine that the ELCA puts out, that our denomination puts out. It's called Living Lutheran. And so a little bit later on that day, I was, I was reading through the magazine as I usually do. Now, there's one little section that they include in this magazine every time they, they give an issue. And interestingly enough, it's actually probably considered to be an obituary section. And it's, it's a listing of any of the rostered ministers or the former rostered people, the pastors or the deacons that, that have died. And I've gotten in the habit of scanning through that. I, I've been around this gig long enough that I know quite a few people. I don't know everyone, of course. But I, I like to read through just to see if I recognize any names. And sure enough, this time I did. Some of you might recognize the name as well. Pastor David Bernhardt. Yeah, Okay. I see a lot of nods. How many of you remember Pastor Bernhardt? Actually, a lot of you today. Okay. Now, I recognize Pastor Bernhardt's name 
as a former pastor here at Underwood. Uh, he was here, he, he started, I think, in about 92, and he was here for about 10 years, so uh, he had a pretty good tenure, but he's been gone for 20-plus you know, years. Uh, so I myself did not know him, but I recognized his name. And I remembered that we got word that he had died. He actually died back in May. And some of you might remember we posted that online. And it, it was kind of fascinating for me after we had posted that information to see some different individuals, actually I think a few of you are, are here today, that were posting some memories, that, the ways that you remember Pastor Bernhard or just commenting that you, you remembered him. And I kind of thought about that. And, and I thought, isn't that, what we all ultimately hope for, that in our lives, the way we live our lives, the, the interactions we have with one another, leave an impact on those other people so that if and when we reach our time, that we will be remembered. Isn't, isn't that the, the ultimate thing that we all hope for, that we will be remembered? And I think that's a good thing to hope for or to desire that, that uh, our, our impact on the world will outlive us in one way or another. Now, I was thinking about that some more, though. And I think even though that's a pretty common human thing for us to hope for, eventually we're going to reach the day when there's no one left who remembers us, right? I mean, that's maybe a little dour to think about, but it's true. Eventually... We're going to reach the day when no one remembers Pastor Bernhardt because everyone else has reached their time too. And that's maybe a little bit of a scary thing to think about. And, but I think it's very, very common. Now, this idea, I think, is lying underneath the interaction that we hear within our scripture story for today. We, we kind of begin to encounter the idea of, of death. It's, it's, we're marking a switch in the various stories that we've had and in the, the ministry that we see that Jesus is up to. Now, he's been doing his active ministry with a lot of teaching and a lot of healings, and we've, we've had those scripture lessons in, in the last several months. We've kind of gone through some of those. But where we find ourselves in the scripture today, Jesus is turning his face towards Jerusalem. He's, he's not going there yet, but he definitely knows that he's, he's sort of mentally on the way. And in the interaction that he's having with Peter, interestingly enough, right before this, it was actually our gospel lesson last week, Jesus asks the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they kind of banter for just a little bit. And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter, who's always the impulsive one, the guy never stops to think. He just blurts out whatever comes into his brain. He actually has a really wonderful moment. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes. Now let me tell you what that actually means. And that's where we pick up today. As they're going to Jerusalem, he, he begins to tell them, and, and we hear this for the first time, and it happens a couple more times in the Gospels, that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, and he's going to be tortured, and he's going to be killed, but on the third day, raise again. Now, Peter can't handle this. No, Lord, this must never happen. That does not meet the expectations of what I think is supposed to happen for you. And then Jesus kind of turns around and, and says, he gives him a little bit of a vocal beat down. Get behind me, Satan. Satan means adversary, by the way. It doesn't necessarily mean, he's not calling him the devil. He's like, basically, you're opposing what I actually need to do. And he says, you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Now, I've always sort of taken this moment from Jesus as being really 
critical, like really negative, like, whoa, Peter, throw the brakes on, man. I need to, I need to correct you here. And, and I think that's probably going on. But I also kind of find myself wondering if maybe Jesus is just pointing out the human condition or what's normal for humanity. He's talking about death. And Peter doesn't like it. Peter can't handle it. And I'm guessing the rest of the disciples were probably nodding right along with Peter, like, yeah, we agree. We don't, we don't like this either. And I think it's human nature for us to consider death to be so final, right? Am I, am I wrong in saying that? I was having some conversations with some different people this week, and we kind of continuously touched on this subject, that, it, that it's within our understanding we know death to create this, this barrier, this, this block, this separation that we can't overcome. And I think we're probably afraid of it when we're honest, or we don't like it, or it, it, it just makes a gap in our lives when we lose those that we care about in a way that we can't be with them. And so we just, mm, it just grates us wrong. And we, sometimes it's human nature. We don't even want to think about it. We don't want to consider it. it. It scares us, all of these things. Pretty common, right? Am I wrong in saying that? Okay. Maybe what Jesus is pointing out is it's human nature to consider death this way. What's interesting about this little moment is I think Peter completely missed the tail end of what Jesus had said. The Son of Man will be betrayed, he will be tortured. He will be killed. And in Peter's brain, that's the end of it. But he missed, what else did Jesus say? In three days, he will raise again. That's the promise of the gospel, that whatever it is that God is up to through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it's somehow overcoming the power of death. Not even death, which to us seems so final and so complete, not even death can get in the way of the life that God is making possible through Christ. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I mean, I stand up here and I talk about this stuff every week and admittedly it's up here and I'm like, you know, God, I can't really wrap my head around it. I believe it. I trust it. I'm hopeful because of it, but I don't understand it. And I think God knows that. (laughs) We are setting our minds not on divine things, but on human things. And I believe that God came into this world to live a life alongside of us in the person of Jesus in order to experience that and understand it in a way that we cannot. We have a God that loves us so much, that cares so much about this world and every single person in it that God will not be separated from us. And so God experienced this life as one of us to better understand it as we do, and yet to overcome those hindrances, that brokenness, whatever we want to call it, even death. I think in our lives when we experience hardships, when we experience that tough stuff that we struggle to wrap our heads around, whether it's death or whether it's an illness or a lost job or those hardships, those difficulties that we face in life, we can cling to the hope that we find in knowing And even though our understanding really butts up against these things, God is bigger and God has ultimately done something about it. And the ultimate takeaway is that we will be remembered. We are never alone in those hardships, even in the times when it might not feel like it. 
We are never alone in the moment of death. And I believe we are met by the one who has done something about it. So when we're walking down the road and we see someone familiar who waves because they remember us, keep in mind and find hope in the fact that we have a God who has promised that we are never, ever forgotten. Amen.